What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain Consciousness, mindset, health, relationship, business. Welcome to the Aubrey Marcus Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the AMP Podcast. I'm here with my man, Joe Gananda. Thank you, Aubrey. We got a bunch of shit to talk about, dude. Yeah. Let's start with weed. Weed. Let's start with weed because that's plant. that's actually one of the ways that I got to know you because we were out uh, out in California where weed, that fine medicinal plant that we've all come to know and love, is legal for mm-hmm. medicinal purposes. Somewhat legal. Somewhat legal More for legal medicinal than, purposes. More legal than here than in, in the fine great state. state of Texas. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, <clears throat> that was the first time I really experienced an edible, and this is Jumbo Superfoods, a company that you founded, and the first time I experienced an edible that I not only liked the ingredients of what was in the edible, but I really liked how it felt. It was like a real game changer at that moment. And so, so you kind of, we made the introduction through your product. And then after that, I was like, all right, I got to meet the dude who made this thing. So, but tell us a little bit about that, about that journey, man, introduce yourself and, and how you came about, uh, producing these fine, delicious weed snacks. Sure. Sure. So Jumbo Superfoods, uh, came, well, I got to back up to when I moved to California yeah. and as you know, people know or don't know, California's had some form of some sort of medical marijuana program for about the last 20 years. And, uh, the legality is a whole discussion we can get into, but basically if you're living in California, you can get a doctor to recommend cannabis to you and you have access to, uh, the official count is unknown, but anywhere from 200 to 1,000 different dispensaries in the greater Los Angeles area. And I, and I did this, by the way. I went out to Cali. I spent a good amount of time there. There's this little green sign on Pacific yeah. Coast Highway, and I cruise in. I cruise in, and there's this uh, clearly this mother and son, like just kind of bullshitting and talking to each other. And then the mother goes into her office, and then the son tries to act all professional. He's like, are you here to see the doctor? I was like, that's your mom, fool. <laughs> like, <laughs> who are you kidding here? I was like, yep. And then just went in there, and she's, you know, she asked a bunch of questions. Do you ever have trouble sleeping? I was like, yes. Why, yes, I do. 
And then, you know, they all kind of know, know the game a little bit, you know, and they're very sympathetic to that. And marijuana has such a variety of benefits yeah. that it can help so many different conditions like insomnia, which is what she officially put down. I got my license and then you're wide open to a paradise cornucopia of marijuana products. Yeah, I think that the doctors provide a really good service in, um, in screening people is really what they're doing is they're looking for people where it might be contraindicated. It's, it's not really contraindicated for almost any condition, but there could be some people that are psychotic or have some issues sure. that maybe they shouldn't be dealing with psychedelics. Yeah. But it's a good point. If you do get the recommendation, uh, you can go into these places and some of them are just as the dispensaries are, are, are more sketchy than the scenario you described for the doctors. And then some of them are beautiful places where, uh, the collective has invested a huge amount of money and they have a wonderful buffet and they can provide, provide a lot of education and the products continue to improve. And I think Jumbo Superfoods has been part of, of improving the, the caliber of what's available. But when I moved to California, you know, five or six years ago, and I got into this, uh, it was my first time I had access to, not to edibles, because I had been making edibles 15 years ago, which is, was actually the original recipe for, for Jumbo Superfoods, was, was something I came up with way, way, way back that I, I brought into the present. But it was the first time I had access to something that was consistent. And that was really mm -hmm. the magic for me was I could get these little Jolly Rancher candies. And, uh, you know, I'd start off, I got one or two, and then I'd eventually go into this place and I'd, I'd be like, how many do you have? And I'd buy 50 of them all at once. <laughs> I'd buy the whole stock out. And I could bite off like a third of one and it would get me to the same place every time. How do you bite a Jolly Rancher? I'm calling bullshit. You can only bite a Starburst. <laughs> 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 Well, it, it's, it's not good for your teeth. <laughs> and, and, and then I'm going to get to this. That, that was part of the problem was it, yeah. it, it wasn't a sustainable thing for my, for my oral health or my physical health. But I had access to this consistent, low-quality product. Sure. And I was also really starting to uh, hone and develop uh, my yoga, spiritual path, meditation practice. And I was combining the two. And I found that they go together really, really well. And that's something we can talk about. For and, sure. And um, I would, you know, if like on a one to 10 scale and 10 is you're out of your mind high and like, you know, one is like barely perceptible. And, and let's say at like a five, you're comfortable to navigate reality in the world and interact with people. I found that, uh, you know, I knew how to get to a five, but if I got to like a seven or an eight where I'd be uncomfortable in the kind of uh, consensus reality in a yoga studio, I could be, you know, I could, I could function at a seven because I was, mm -hmm. I was being guided. I was in a safe container and I was doing these, you know, these postures and asana that seemed to just really, really complement um, the experience. So doing a lot of yoga, getting really high beforehand, uh, which is something i generally recommend yes <laughs> it's yes. like weed and yoga has that, has that been a tradition you know it's like we didn't invent that right they were getting high and doing yoga well no back in india yeah absolutely right? so, so shiva is depicted with cannabis a lot right and uh, uh the bong which is a basically a cannabis um lassie is kind of like the is what so bong not like the bong you smoke out of b-h-a-n-g okay so uh some people pronounce it bang Mm -hmm. um, there's a, actually a company that makes edibles that are called uh, bang. Yeah, nice, called bang, yeah. And so the bang, uh, was a cannabis lassie, which and a lassie is like a yogurt smoothie, yogurt smoothie. Yeah. Uh, 
mango lassies are what most Americans mm-hmm. probably are familiar with. Good for digestion. Good for digestion and actually really good for cannabis because the THC molecule really likes to bind onto any kind of lipid or fat. So when you blend it in with uh, you know some kind of dairy, um, that's going to make it more bioavailable and you're going to have a better experience than you know if you just ate it. So yes, long traditional use. And I think that actually uh, more of a use than, than our culture wants to recognize. For some reason, we've kind of scrubbed out that part of the history of cannabis. I mean, in part of the propaganda wars, um, they've just totally gotten rid of it. And then I think the other half of it is that the, the modern religions too have excised uh, psychedelic use as part of their ceremonies over the last you know, 500 to 1,000 years. So I'm rediscovering what all the spiritual traditions have known mm-hmm. for thousands of years is that psychedelics, which cannabis is a, is a very mild and comfortable psychedelic. It can be a very mild and comfortable psychedelic. You take too much, it is no longer mild or comfortable. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yes, in generally, generally speaking. Yeah, well, if you take a responsible amount, I mean, yeah. the same could be said with alcohol. You know, sure. if you have a couple beers, it's like a great social afternoon and it'd be like, but if you drink a you know, a liter of vodka. No doubt. Yeah, all of a sudden gets, you're into that like hairy. unmanageable zone. So uh, one day I was at Peace Yoga in downtown uh, Los Angeles, and there's this really crazy but wonderful uh, woman, Sherry Ray, who teaches there. She's been teaching for like 20 years. And on Wednesday and Friday nights, she does like three-hour-plus kick-your-ass Hatha Yoga sessions. And... Um, I love Hatha yoga. It's actually not my main focus now, but what was really magical about this is that she do these long Hatha sessions and and I look at Hatha, I incorporate it into my practice now because I look at Hatha as kind of like, um, you kind of beat up the ego to the point where it, it settles down kind of like there's a guard dog and you throw it a piece of steak and all of a sudden it, it is occupied with something else and you can kind of slip past it Mm -hmm. and you can go deeper. So she would do these, these really long yoga classes. But what the magic of this was, and what I learned, is that the way her studio is set up is that you do you practice in the basement, and it's like a cave down there. And then up above, she's got a cafe. So the last yoga class of the night, she does this yoga, and then she goes upstairs, and everybody goes upstairs, and she makes this incredible food for everyone. And everybody hangs out, and she holds court, and she loves it, and she's really good at it. And she'll be entertaining people for hours, you know, it's like her place, mm-hmm. but that allowed me to just go deep. And I had this one Shavasana, uh, you know, relaxation at the end of the, at the session where I must've laid there for a couple hours and I started doing what I referred to as like a systems check. And I was kind of just auditing my life and, and you'll find that a lot of the psychedelics, I know you've talked about it. Sure. They do this, they bring your stuff up and they make you confront it. And it made me just start kind of questioning what I was doing. And, and I was thinking about, man, and like, I'm really high right now. And then I'm thinking, I'm like getting really high every day. And then I was thinking, am I like a drug addict? You know what I'm saying? This is your brain on drugs. I've seen the egg frying. And I'm like, am I, if this is bad for me? And then I thought, well, you're in a yoga studio. You just did three hours of yoga and you're meditating about how to improve your life. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel like it was really like that bad of a thing. It was actually helping me. I was, uh, I had started my first business, was going really well, and you know, I'm taking care of myself. And so I thought, okay, well that's actually pretty good. That's working for me. Maybe the cultural narrative about this being bad for me doesn't add up. But 
uh, the first business was a, is a health food uh, subscription box, HealthySurprise.com. And I'm the CEO of this international health food company, and I'm biting into these, you know, high fructose corn syrup, sugary candies every day. And I'm thinking that there's like a conflict dissonance in terms of my role in the business and that we, the main value proposition of that company is we discriminate based off of the ingredients of the snacks. Sure. And here I am with this really lousy, you know, I don't know what it was made of, but it couldn't have been good. And um, so, and then it's not good for my teeth and it's just not good for me. Yeah, it'd be like if I was out. Smoking cigarettes and drinking cokes. Yeah, and then you <laughs> come like, and you get on. Yeah, like, yeah what, the, on it. what the fuck, Aubrey? What so, are you doing? So that didn't really that didn't really jive, and that was kind of like one of these. Um, the phrase "comes to Jesus" moment comes up. I mean, I don't know. If I came to Jesus, but I, I came and met myself, and I was kind of like, "This has got to change." So uh, that was on a Wednesday, um, and then the next day on a Thursday, I went to a couple different dispensaries. And I went to talk to the owner, you know, the owners of the bud tenders, and I said, "Hey, do you guys have any healthy edibles?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, sure. Hold on, let me go get you. I got this vegan brownie." And they come over and they give me their vegan brownie. And I'm sure most of your listeners would know that vegan is more of a philosophical decision than a healthful decision. Sure, vegan food tends to be more healthful because it excludes a lot of bad things, but um, you know, Coca-Cola and Krispy Kreme can be vegan too. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's, it, it can be a lot of sugar. And so that really wasn't what I was looking for. So I was um, I was driving home from one of these dispensaries and I flashbacked to this recipe that I had made like 10 years ago back at this point when I was back in Florida. Because in Florida, you got to be discreet on the down low with your weed. Because even today, when I go home and I tell people that I'm running a cannabis company, the voices get a little low and they... They look over their shoulders and it's, you know, yeah. the paranoia and the propaganda is still strong in a lot of places. So then I'm thinking, well, like, man, I could do this. I could make my own healthy edibles. And then I thought, okay, now you're just being a crazy stoner that is going to start making pot brownies for the world. But then I thought, well, actually, I've got domain experience here. I'm, I'm running an international health food company. We were working with over 200 brands at the time. So while we had never actually made like the end product, we really just handled third party products. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew what I knew what good products sold, you know, were I knew what packaging was. I, I mean, I knew I knew the industry for consumer packaged goods that were food. So then I thought, well, maybe I'm not so crazy. And I knew that and this was three years ago. And and even when I kind of did all this, everyone thought I was a, a lunatic back then. Now everyone thinks I'm a genius because the cannabis thing has turned. But back then mm-hmm. it was it was a different world. And I thought, can, you know, can I do this? And I said, well, let me see if I can dig up that recipe. So I went home. I, I went and I found it. I used uh, Evernote back in the day, and it was still there. Thank you, Evernote. And I went on Amazon. I overnighted a bunch, like an like a impulse sealer. I got some polyethylene tubing from Uline. And I got all the stuff. And um, from, from the, having the kind of the download on Wednesday night, on Sunday night of that same week, I had like a finished product. It was a jumbo bar. Now they're not, we don't make bars, but it was a jumbo bar that I had a 12 of them in a case pack and I went to a dispensary. It was, it was my fastest manifestation from like idea to product. What an exciting time that is. Cause I've been involved in these times of hyper productivity where you're just, you know, you have something and then you just get to work creating it. And I think, you know, if I could just jump in for a second there in that process, when you have those times, it's often good not to talk about it with too many people. 
you know, just like keep moving forward because you'd be surprised how that energy disperses when you start mentioning to people. If you would have talked to too many people who are like, that's a stupid idea, dude, you're going to get thrown in jail or blah, blah, blah. You get all of these other voices in your head that will start to challenge this kind of creativity that you have and you'll lose momentum. So for anybody who has that kind of moment, just do exactly that. Just go all the way, go for it. And of course you want to open yourself up to feedback and whatnot, but at that time, just put it all in there. Yeah. So, I mean, I mentor a lot of entrepreneurs and I, I see a trap where people, um, I, I liken it to like jumping in the pool and everybody tells me how they're going to dive in the pool and they're going to swim and they're going to be the best ever. But, but nobody, a lot of people don't jump because it's really fun to go tell everyone how you're going to jump in and yeah. you're going to swim and it's going to be great. And you, you're going to be the CEO of this company. But once you jump in, you can drown and that's not fun. Yeah. So a lot of people like to walk around and talk about their idea. So and, and that can be be tempting. I knew a girl who she came out with this idea for these condoms and they were going to like give a condom to someone in Africa or something. Keep it. And condoms. Uh, Just kidding. Condoms are great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we officially uh, endorse condom use most of the time. <laughs> um, yes, officially. Yes. Indeed. And, <laughs> so uh, but then, and I'd see her at these events, and she's talking about how she was going to launch these things, and she had a prototype, and she, the marketing materials were incredible. But like a year later, I saw her, and she was still talking about how she was going to do this thing. And I realized, like, she was like professionally about to launch. Did you tell her quit fucking around? I was like, well, let's try one of these things out. <laughs> let's see if you got the goods, baby. Let's test it. Let's market see if it research. Works. You know, I mean, come on. I'll, Maybe she I'll was just in it. an extended market research. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the idea to execution is to not have this extended market research. And so I would- What if there's stiff competition? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, we should continue. Yeah. Enough um, of that. That was great. <laughs> so so I actually, I find it helpful to um, not tell no one, uh, maybe tell some, like, like an accountability partner. So mm-hmm. I told my college roommate at the time that I was gonna do this. And I remember on Sunday, that I was done because I, I snapped a photograph of it and sent it to him. And I was like, look, look what I did. You know, I, I had this idea and I executed on it in like four or five days. Um, so, but, but yeah, more action, less talk. Yeah. You know? Um, so that was kind of like, that was kind of the, the initial thing. So, so I made, I made this package and, uh, so we made, I made, you know, a couple cases of them and then I went to the fanciest dispensary collective, that I could think of in Los Angeles, uh, formerly called GGR. I think it's now GSR or whatever, but it's like the one closest to Santa Monica because Santa Monica doesn't allow them. And I walked in and I had brought my case and I had an order form and I was like, who's in charge? And I just found the person and I got a, you know a meeting with them on the spot and uh, I sold her one case of Jumbo Bars. Um, and it was like the first, it was the, you know, the first one and it wasn't like a huge order or anything, but proof of concept, it proved that someone would buy it. And it was like the most fancy place I could go to. And I wasn't expecting to, to get it because, you know, a good salesperson, it depends on the industry, but 20, 30% of the time, you know, if you have a funnel, they'll go from a prospect to, to closing the deal. So the fact that I got the first one 
Uh, and this is also a different environment. You know, the market for natural, healthy, organic products is growing every single day. But even two or three years ago, it was, uh, you know, it was smaller. So that kind of validated the concept. And um, I mean, the concept made sense to me. I mean, I, I know how incredible and beneficial of a plant this is. And, and I knew from my other business, Healthy Surprise, that there was people, there was a market for these type of things. But, um, you know, still to, to the aspiring entrepreneurs, I see so many times people get caught up on, again, with, you know, failure to launch, what color, what shade of blue should the logo be, or they come up with all these different things. Mm -hmm. And the main, the main advice I have is, is see if there's someone that will give you a dollar for your product. You know, is there a market? Because a lot of times, a lot of times you can find friends and family that will unbiased, that will biasedly tell you how great it is and they don't want to tell you no and they'll, and they'll buy it. But really, can you walk into a, you know, a third party cold situation and find someone that will buy your product and validate that you have a, you know, a widget that people want. Um, so once we did that, uh, then that's when I kind of got scared because I was like, okay, I got this idea and I sold it at a price that I knew we could make a business out of it and scale it. And, um, I knew the next step was to make a lot of product to go be able to sell it and have some inventory. Yeah, and that's where the legal concerns come in. Yeah. So that was like, you know, all I knew, I knew that I could get cashews and honey, no problem. And I didn't really know where I was going to get a bunch of cannabis. And the only thing I knew about getting a bunch of cannabis was that people that got a bunch of cannabis, like can go to jail for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that was kind of like what I knew. I knew I was in California and I knew there was places all over. So somehow people were doing it, but you know, the propaganda had been in me and it's still, I mean, to this day, it's a schedule one uh, substance. So it was kind of like, you know, what, what am I doing here? How do I do this? And then that's why I like to think that 2014, it was really, it was more of a hobby than a business. It was really just a like taking the temperature. What is, what does this market look like? Can this be done? How can it be done? And it was a lot of just kind of learning and figuring out what, what the, the whole industry was like. And in that regard, not much has changed. Um, we are, Jumbo Superfoods is, is one of a handful of brands. There's probably like like five to 10 that are known in California to be, you know, to be a real player. You know, we're, we're in like a hundred places and people know about us and there's a following and everything. And when you're in that position, it, it feels like uh, we're going through a jungle with a machete. And there's really no, there's no mentors. There's no one who's really come before yeah, us. Yeah, you guys are the pioneers. Yeah, we're, we're figuring out. The, the rules aren't clear. You know, the laws are contradictory. So and so if I could just jump ahead and catch people up, because there's a lot of other stuff I want to chat with you about. So you extended the line from the bars to these bites, and you have different strengths. And I think one of the cool things is the hybrid blend of indica sativa that you use for the for the strain that you that you chose. I think you showed it to me at one point, but we don't need to disclose that yeah, for well, competitors. You were, you, were in, you were in California. Yeah, and um, and so it's just a really cool blend. It's a really cool product. And then you went even from the bites, which you still sell to the spray yeah, which the is also really really cool because then you it's a very metered dose you know exactly what you're taking you don't have to chew anything there's no i felt like sometimes maybe the raisins would because i eat a very small amount like so if i got a raisin you know i might have been less or more high than if i didn't get a raisin you know like, like, like the raisin <laughs> quotient was like a factor but with the spray i know exactly what i'm getting and then from the THC products, you also have your whole CBD line, which is what we have for those of you watching on camera here. Yep. This uh, amazing CBD 
MCT and grass-fed ghee combination that's super epic. And so you just have a bunch of cool stuff. Plus, you also have your non-psychedelic, non-jumbo company called The Dirt, which Mm -hmm. is making the Onnit lip balm and making some Onnit toothpaste that's about to come out. So you got your hands in a lot of entrepreneurial pies. But clearly, um, I think jumbo is one of the most exciting for people to hear about because this is, you know, this is a frontier that a lot of smart individuals realize is going to be massive. All you have to do is look at what's been happening in Colorado and Washington to see what the future holds. I mean, this is a multi, multi billion dollar business and it's too late to turn back now. You know, it really is, is what I believe this we're on a path to full legalization. Yeah. It's just a matter of when. I think about it as uh, we've won the war. Like the drug war has been won by the the you know pro freedom anti uh, uh, you know prohibition people and science. I mean, just the studies coming out on the benefits of CBD and the well, benefits. We're so of THC. blessed that cannabis like cures cancer and helps see children with seizures. I mean, imagine if it didn't have all those things, yeah. it still should be legal. It still should be legal. You know, but right. the fact that it's like the war on drugs has also been facilitating like, or been against the war on cancer for all these years is, uh, is, is pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So how does that, so how does that future look, you know, where you see, um, and I think really that's what part of what you're planning is you're just planning to basically be one of the players for when that dial turns back and the, and the nation open wise. I mean, do you do you imagine a future where you have direct to consumer sales of your THC products just like you would a, a lip balm or a you know bag of chips or something like that where you can just ship it out anywhere in the country and um, anywhere in the world bi- anywhere in the world. Yeah. So I, I look at us really as a global brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a it's a global opportunity and you know, we'll get there state by state. Um, we're working and finessing through the rules to, to, to bring our brand to other, other states. Um, and you know, it, it, sometimes it feels like it's going slow and I know there's going to be people listening to this in places where it sounds crazy that you could just walk into a store and have access to a bunch of cannabis. Uh, but when you zoom out and you look at other civil rights issues, which this is really is a civil rights, social justice kind of struggle, um, like gay marriage or uh, the end of slavery or women's suffrage, you know, these things took decades and a long time to really to really turn. And I saw analysis once that showed uh, almost with all of these different civil rights um, issues, if you charted from when you had basically no acceptance to like the number of states that accepted it, once you got up to like 35 states, that's when the Supreme Court comes in and flips the switch and it goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we're almost hitting that magical threshold with cannabis. And I'm, I'm thinking that that logical kind of uh, continue through. Absolutely, it should. And for those people who are questioning whether this is a civil rights issue, I think it's at the core of civil rights. It's, a, it's the sovereignty of our own consciousness and deciding that the government doesn't have a right to throw us in cages you know, because of what we want to do with our own consciousness. If we can't control our own consciousness, what do we control? I mean, that's like one of the basic sovereign rights of every human being is to be able to control their own consciousness. And the audacity to say that, you know, the government should be able to control that is just wild. I really think we'll look back at this as we look back at these other, you know, abominations that we've had as you mentioned women's suffrage slavery these things like how the hell were we justifying that throwing people in cages for their own good 
because they wanted to alter their own consciousness in in ruining any student loans they have or their ability to sure. get a job because they don't have a felony record like uh i mean i mean one example is in los angeles recently the city attorney uh shut down the largest delivery service speedweed.com uh they had like 100 drivers and they are saying that this is going to make the community safer um but it's really hard to, to understand that because if you were really interested in having a safe model uh you know the, the delivery model, there's no burglaries, there's no robberies, there's no gangs involved. I mean, it's out of sight, it's out of mind. And these guys were very sophisticated. Um, and so when you when you destroy that, you recreate the black market. And I think that's where a lot of the problems are. So, so you know, some of it doesn't really make sense when you when you think about it. So, I, mean, I don't think any of it really makes sense. So many things don't make sense. But, you, you know, you watch a movie like that, um, a Michael Moore's movie, Who to Invade Next, you know, and he goes through and he goes to Portugal where they decriminalized all drugs. And you see the effect that that's at. Oh, man, if you decriminalize all drugs, drug rates are going to go through the roof. Eh, wrong. They go down. You know, it's like you, you look at the actual data and we have these ideas that precipitate the data. Oh, weed is a drug. We got to make it illegal. It's just an idea. It has no basis. In fact, it has no basis. If you look at the, the actual traffic accidents and incidents in Colorado, everything that they were worried about is opposite. Yeah. Everything's safer. Everything is better. There's more money. There's Everything is working smoother. And the data will ultimately win. Truth will ultimately win, especially now that we have the Internet. And I think that's the difference between now and so long ago is I think there's an acceleration where bad ideas have a shorter lifespan than they used to. Like now bad ideas get weeded out much, much quicker because this data spreads immediately. It's not like someone in New York's going to be like, you hear about what's been happening? Call. I heard. I heard this thing. No, you don't hear that thing. You find out that thing. Yeah. These facts they spread immediately, and so that's what gives me optimism about the future because we're living in a crazy, insane time now where we know the truth, but yet we have laws that oppose that truth, and it's this weird juxtaposition and transition point that I think in history we'll look back and be like, "Wow, that was a weird time. Cool well, time, but it was weird." Well, and and. I think the merits of of the prohibition don't jive with our federalist constitutional system. I mean, I, I don't think you can make an argument that someone that just is possessing a, a flower can be put in a cage. Um, but but even if you if you said okay, well, the possession of the flower is bad. You know, I think about it now as we we as I manage a, a bigger team, and when I've got like conflicts between employees or there's you know something happens. My first thought isn't like, oh, let me go take uh, you know Bobby and throw him in a cage. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that just doesn't seem to be like the appropriate way to remediate a problem. You know, so the fact that that is the, like they're saying there's all these harms, which we disagree with. I don't think there's any harms really. In fact, all these benefits to curing the cancer and all these things. But then even the way that they want to solve the harms doesn't make any sense either. No, if it was really about it, it's not about that though. And and you look at some of these documentaries that are exposing how this potentially was very much social engineering to target low-income and African-American individuals. Like, that's where a lot of this came from, and that makes a lot of sense, because if you really wanted to do it for its own good, we'd be locking up everybody who's overweight. Every obese person gets thrown in a cage and forced on a diet. They're hurting themselves a lot more than someone smoking. No doubt. I mean, you look at the risk factors, the number one you know, cause of death, 
you know, for those individuals, yeah, it's that they're obese, they're overweight. So you would put them in fat concentration camps if that was really the idea that we had. Now, obviously, that's an Orwellian, dystopian, incredibly fucked up model, you know, but if that if that logic actually applied and they're, they're we're just doing it for your own good, then every fat person is in fat concentration camp. But obviously it's not. So there's some shady bullshit shenanigans behind it. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to Nixon and you had the counter-revolution, you know, the, 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 the free love, the, the 60s, and they wanted to use the powers of the state against these people, um, but they were just assembling and having free speech. And they couldn't use the, the fire hoses and the dogs and the cages against them. So they said, well, if we, if we look at this cohort of people, what do they all have in common? Oh, they tend to have these different flowers and LSD in their pockets and on their in their possessions. So if we can if we can criminalize that, that will allow us to basically exert state control against them. And and I think we're you also have all the the you know racial elements of it. It's really gross. Uh, it doesn't stand up to thought and analysis. And the internet luckily gives us a way for people to kind of get that and we don't we know they're not just getting the message of abc and cbs news and, and the official story so yeah it's it's all changing and um you know we're seeing that happen and you know so it's, it's exciting like i said we're the war we've won it but the battles are still going on and, and some people are still being hurt and uh what's going to be also interesting is what's happening to all these poor folks that are already in jail you know yep. once this whole thing happens i mean that's going to be crazy there's people with life sentences for having a couple of joints um, and then one other thing I thought about when you're talking about that is, is if you go to the DEA's website and you go, and I've done this, and look and see, like, you know, why are they so against it? Almost all of the harms uh, that they associate with, with cannabis or marijuana are related to the smoking of it. If you ingest it, like with, with Jumbo Superfoods, you know, in the edible fashion, there's no toxicity. Uh, there's no lung damage. There's really no cancer risk. And actually, it, it it's, has anti-tumor properties. So the arguments kind of fall apart. So, you know, we've got all the facts on our side. Yeah. But if you eat too much, you may think you're going to die. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. You hear those classic 911 calls. And that's funny because people know me as a psychedelic kind of adventurer. I go explore these different psychedelics and have found many of them to be extremely valuable for me. But I'll hear, I hear this commonly. I go, man, I, I couldn't do any, any of the psychedelics like, like you've been doing, like ayahuasca, because this one time I ate too much weed and it was, it was nightmarish. So I was like, yeah, I still eat too much weed and it's the hardest thing that I've ever had to go through. Like, it's no joke. When you push that threshold to 10 or 11, you know, of what, of what you're, you're capable of, of managing, it's, it's a rough road. I mean, it'll bring up a lot of shit and that those feelings of paranoia and your heart thumping in your chest and all these things, it, there's actual no actual toxicity, but psychologically it can be extremely challenging. So don't think that if you've eaten too much weed and freaked out that you're, you're weak or not, not up to the psychedelic experience. It's challenging for everybody. It doesn't matter how many times you've done a boga or ayahuasca, you know, you have too much weed and, and you're in for it. Better do some yoga, better start breathing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's actually a big part of what Jumbo Superfoods' is mission is is to kind of address the harm issue. So, so you mentioned our, our potion, the spray bottle. We developed that because, you know, I, I tell people eat an eighth of one of our little uh, honey buns. And nobody, I don't want to say nobody eats the eighth, but a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, whatever. I got this. And they'll eat a quarter, they'll eat a half, and they'll eat the whole thing. And then you get into the situation. And, um, you know, 
it's easy to blame the plant for that problem, but I think about it more in terms of like a motorcycle. You know, so if you put someone on a motorcycle and you could limit their speed to like five miles an hour, it's really hard for people to hurt themselves. But a lot of people get on and they're just like, how fast can this this fucker go? Mm-hmm. And they go really fast and then they wipe out and they have a really bad experience. And I think that that, you know, we can use that analogy of, of licensing or teaching someone how to drive or having kind of rules of the road and, and apply that to uh, the lack of shamanism that we have nowadays. Because... Mm-hmm. You know, what I think is happening when people take these big doses of psychedelics is that this, the psychedelics allow slash force you to go and have this big internal, um, they allow you to go deep. And I think they allow you to go into the revelatory state and into kind of like a, a divine space. But as we talked about earlier, the ego is the gatekeeper. And the ego, if you've got a lot of a lot of trauma in your life, and, and we all do, um, it's like you have to deal with that first before it lets you pass and lets you go deep. So when people are taking these massive doses, it's basically the psychedelics are pushing them up. It's trying to like push them down into this really magical divine space, but their ego gets in the way and is like, you got to deal with all this shit right now before you go. And that's a real scary thing. And that's where I think that the yoga and the meditation and a lot of the stuff we're doing on the cultural side of Jumbo Superfoods, aside from just products, is really developing ceremony and behaviors for people to help them work through this stuff and process that kind of work and go slow. You know, I mean, it's not about you're a pussy or you're weak or you're a lightweight because you take a small dose. I mean, you're responsible and you're thoughtful mm-hmm. and you're doing it right. And, you know, baby steps. I mean, I think people should do really deep, long meditations and get comfortable with just sitting with yourself for a while, then add a really light bit of cannabis and get comfortable with that and then maybe add some more and then maybe progress to some mushrooms or go to you know and work your way to the more powerful psychedelics but i mean this is part of the reason i started this company aside from you and me and you know joe rogan and some other people that message is not really getting out mm-hmm. the cultural narrative is you know you smoke a joint and you watch half baked and you eat some doritos and that's what you do when you get high on wheat and there really isn't anyone out there holding the standard of this is a powerful medicine. It can be used. Look, I don't want to take away. Go watch your stoner movie and get high and, and, and have a wonderful meal. And I do that and it's great. But there's also this other part, the spiritual part that um, our cultural kind of uh, trivializes spirituality. It's scrubbed it out. There's no temples being built nowadays. Um, and it, it's it, that's not being addressed or talked about at all. So. I think that's a, a big portion of it, and it's a big. We have a job to do to basically get that out there and, and recalibrate the culture so people can understand how to use these things responsibly. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. So one of the methods um, that you like to do is you, you talked about the more um, young type of yoga, the more vigorous yoga that you used to do but you've transitioned more now into kundalini yoga yeah raja yoga yeah so and that's very breath focused now i have a lot of experience with different types of breath but very little experience with kundalini so just kind of go into that go into the synergy there and and basically how you how you see that fitting into someone's spiritual practice sure so so kundalini uh kundalini yoga well kundalini is, is the concept 
of uh, the internal energy that's within all of us. And the metaphor is that it's 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 at the base of the spine, and it's it's symbolically usually referred to as like a coiled serpent that's down there, latent in anyone. And what's really magical about yoga, but Kundalini yoga specifically, is that um, you can go through a, a practice and in you know 20 minutes to an hour, you can uncoil that snake and you can have an incredible experience where your whole body is, is energized and you might find yourself in, in a revelatory state where you get downloads or realizations. And what's, what's interesting about that is that it's, it's always there. You don't, you, don't, you don't need King Arthur's sword you have to pull out of the, out of the stone or you don't need a, a, you know, a special car or a factory. It's available to everybody. And all they have to really do is just sit and breathe and, and, and do some asana or, or movements. So Kundalini, where, where Hatha is what typically think people think about in America as, as yoga, and it's really been Americanized as like aggressive stretching, you know, warrior one and warrior two. Uh, Kund- Even Bikram. Yeah, Bikram. You know, that's, that's what people kind of think about it. That's really not what yoga it means. Yoga, this, the, the translation is union, and it's the union of the individual self with the universal self. So, so bringing yourself to merge in, into God, basically, or the Godhead, or Brahman, or Heaven, Satori, whatever whatever word you want to use. I know that can be a charged word. Mm-hmm. So Kundalini is is uh, a combination. It the, the term they use is a kriya, and that's kind of like the the composition of the different movements that you'll do in a sequence. So the sequence is called the kriya, and it's a combination. And I'm speaking generally because it's, it's hard to say it's just this one thing. But but typically, it's a rhythmic movement tied to to a rhythmic breath so um you know one that's very simple and powerful would be if someone found themselves in a comfortable seated position like easy pose they put their arms on their knees they sat up straight let's do it right now do it right now for like 20 seconds okay sure so come into easy pose put your arms on your um on your knees and as you inhale uh draw your heart forward and keep your head fixed in the same place and the base of your spine in the same place too. So you want to think about your spine as kind of like a string that's fixed between two places, almost like a like a bow. And on the inhale, you'll pull the heart forward as far as you can. On the exhale, you'll you'll push the spine back, draw the, the navel and draw the navel into your spine. And through the nose, out through the nose, right? Yep. Inhaling as you come forward, filling the belly first and then the chest. Exhaling as you draw the navel into the spine. And you'll start off slow. And as you get more comfortable, you can slowly increase the speed and the energy level that you bring into the practice. And you might find that your, your back starts to crack and you get a little more comfortable. And what's really good about this practice is that, uh, you know, if you find yourself where you've maybe taken a little bit too much cannabis or the psychedelic of your choice, this type of behavior, it brings the mind into a space where it, it gets into a rhythm. And instead of panicking about what to do and all the things that are coming in, you can just kind of lock in into this rhythm. Um, and it can really help in that situation where you maybe had a little sure. bit too much. And I find that is a really good way to kind of ground people. Uh, but if you if you can do that type of exercise, and that's a great, powerful, easy one to do, 
uh, and you do that for just two or three minutes, which when you're doing it seems like a long time, but in like real life, it's not very long. Uh, you'll find that the ego settles down. And it's not just for when you're too high. I mean, imagine if you're feeling that charged pang of jealousy because your lover is doing something that's bothering you or your ego gets threatened by somebody at work or somebody, any of these things that trigger us and get us in this heightened emotional state or we get in this state of despondency and self-pity and depression all of these things that all of us myself included yeah you know no matter how much work we do we still find ourselves in if you force maybe you can't just twist your mind to get out of it but you can tell your body and your your breath to do that practice and then by doing that practice it's like jumping on a little lily pad that'll help you get across the stream to the other side maybe you can't teleport there but you can do this breath and then that breath will help you cross the stream back to a, a more reasonable conscious where you can manage consciousness where you can manage these things so i think it's an incredibly valuable tool and um and then you can obviously progress that further you know into a variety of different states and different people have done it different ways wim hof has done it for you know withstanding the cold and you know mm -hmm. accomplishing these yeah. amazing feats eight guinness world records manipulating his autonomic nervous system all of these things and then you go another way and it's shamanic breathing and you can reach psychedelic visionary states where i've been visited by my deceased grandmother and seen my eternal soul and these crazy visions that you would expect on ayahuasca but have just come from breath but you know probably the longest tradition is the yogic tradition of breathing you know that's been around the longest and it's that combination of rhythmic movements with the breath so it's just one of the pantheon of ways that you can use this innate tool that as you mentioned is absolutely 100 percent free and no matter what the government does they can't outlaw breathing so so you have that always available to you no matter what so i have some uh guided kriyas and meditations at jambosuperfoods.com forward slash intentional high and that's available to everybody it's free um i recommend if you go practice there and let me just get one little uh, note, last note on kundalini so i find that meditation you know, everybody's going a million miles an hour. They've got text messages and emails and all these things. And very rarely do people just, it's like if you're redlining your car all day and you just never, you never just let the car cool down. You know, people don't ever take time to just sit and just let their brain process. And a lot of times the stuff that comes up is uncomfortable for them, but the brain needs to just express those things. And that's what a lot of, of meditation and, and kind of Hatha yoga does. Where Kundalini gets more advanced, uh, and it's, it's a more advanced practice, is that to me, once you, you really go deep in it, you start, you, you, you gain the ability to call in resistance, the blarg, writer's block. We have different names for this thing. But it's like you have it on your cell phone on speed dial, and you can go into a Kriya that is incredibly uncomfortable to do. Mm -hmm. You might be holding your arms for seven minutes. And it's a simple thing to just hold your arms up and breathe. But, you know, after minute three, everything in your body is telling you to put your arms down and it allows you to create a situation where you come face to face with the resistance on your terms and you're challenging it and everything's telling you to, to, to stop and then you push through. And so in that way, I see Kundalini as a repeatable practice to develop discipline, to develop willpower, because if you can, if you can chant Ekon cars for seven minutes with your arms up, when someone cuts you off on the street, it's just a trivial sure. thing. I mean, compared to, to the other challenge that you, you've done. So every morning, you know, 
I try to start with that practice if I have the time to do it. It makes everything else, you know, it's why people seem more zen because, you know, all these other little things that people get so worried about, once you put yourself through the ringer on your own terms repeatedly over a long time, those things, those things become much more, uh, much more manageable and in a better perspective. No doubt. Wise words, my friend. Joe, it's been a pleasure to have you on here, brother. Thank you. Um, this is wonderful. You've, you've dropped it a few times, but jombosuperfoods.com. Anywhere that people can follow you personally if they want to keep up? Do you have like a personal Twitter or anything like that? Uh, Jogananda.com and uh, on Instagram. J-O-H-G. J-O-H-G Ananda, Divine Bliss, and uh, at Jogananda on Twitter. Beautiful, man. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Glad to have you out here in Austin. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you again soon. Peace. I'd like to acknowledge the company that is the expression of so many things I love. Onnit.com. O-N-N-I-T.com. And also Wearspace.com with two S's. Putting out some really dope clothes and supporting my favorite charities. Lastly, please check out my blog, AubreyMarcus.com, for the latest in all the ventures happening in my world. If you enjoyed the podcast, tell a friend, leave a review, and let's make this positivity contagious. Thanks for tuning in.